chances are that uh, we'll help them differently. Right now, what we're doing is we're sending clean energy all day, uh, every day. But I think what's going to happen is that it'll be more bilateral in the sense that they will have too much wind, too much solar. So we will import from them. We will use that energy in Quebec. Mm-hmm. But then when they are underproducing, uh, so when there's not enough wind, not enough solar, then we will be able to send energy over to, to help them uh, compensate. So right. we can do miracles, but we can help them out with their uh, goals to decarbonize. Welcome to the Flux Capacitor, a podcast about the future of electricity. I'm Francis Bradley of Electricity Canada. This is episode 069, number 69 of the Flux Capacitor. The change in calendar was an opportunity for me to get an update on the current business and future prospects of Hydro-Quebec from somebody at that company that is focused on the future. Joining me on the podcast today from Hydro-Quebec's Integrated Energy Planning Group is... Alexandre Mignot, I work as a senior advisor in the Integrated Energy Needs Planning Group. Alexandre joined me for a wide-ranging year-end discussion in which we discussed current and future energy prospects from Hydro's perspective, what the future energy mix may look like in a net-zero future, the role of hydro and wind resources, demand response behind the meter opportunities, and future impacts of electrification on future electricity needs. He helps unpack the complexities of the Quebec energy marketplace, the role Hydro-Quebec will play in decarbonizing the Northeast electricity grid, the role of Indigenous communities in building the system of tomorrow, and where hydrogen may fit into the puzzle. And we close the conversation with his addition to the Flux Capacitor Book Club. Here is my conversation with Alexandre, recorded on Zoom in late December 2022. Alexandre, welcome to the the podcast. I'm glad you were able to join me. Thank you for having me here. I know most uh, of the listeners will will have a pretty good sense of who uh, Hydro Quebec is, but but maybe just for the listener a bit of a refresher, if you could just you know give a, a just a quick description of uh, of what the company is. I'm very familiar with it. I'm a customer. Sure, right. So Hydro Quebec is a uh, it's a government owned crown corporation uh, which is active in the province of Quebec, so in east eastern Canada. Mm-hmm. So we produce, transport, uh, transmit, and distribute electricity. We mostly produce uh, from from hydro. Uh, we also uh, uh, buy uh, energy from independent power producers, uh, such as uh, wind producers, for example. So uh, total production is roughly uh, uh, maybe 200 terawatt hours per year, mm-hmm. and then uh, we export maybe 30 to 35 terawatt hours to other provinces in Canada, uh, as well as to uh, states such as New York mm-hmm. or New England uh, every year. Yeah. And so also, yeah, but through that to your last point, a, a pretty important part of the Northeast uh, energy picture overall. Definitely, definitely. And we feel like we can uh, help uh, decarbonize the Northeast because our uh, energy is uh, more than 99% renewable because it's all hydro and, mm-hmm. and wind. 
and with uh, our uh, reservoirs, uh, we feel like we, we can be the perfect match for uh, uh, our neighbors in uh, Ontario or New Brunswick or uh, in uh, the, the northern uh, U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and we've we've, we've had um, conversations previously on the podcast with, with some of your colleagues where we kind of talk about how the the, the reservoirs kind of act as a, a a giant battery for for northeastern North America. So we've you know we've 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 had that uh, that discussion previously. So wanted to have a chat with you about what present and future looks like uh, from the perspective uh, of Hydro uh, Quebec. But I thought maybe before we do that, um, it, and something that I ask people that that come on to. Uh, onto the podcast about uh, how they came to be uh, in the role that they're in. Uh, I think it's something that the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the listener would be interested in just getting an understanding of kind of, you know, what, what what's the background of, uh, of the, the, the people that come onto the podcast. So what was, uh, what was your journey, Alexandre? Sure. Um, so I, I've been in Hydro Quebec for uh, six years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason why I joined initially is that I wanted to work for a company that I truly admired. And I had always admired Harder Quebec's contribution to the province of Quebec. Mm-hmm. So, uh, first of all, for those who don't, well, I, I mean, I mentioned earlier actually that uh, we're a government-owned crown corporation, which yep. means that when we make money, the money is used by the government to pay for education, healthcare, etc. Right. So, for example, in 2021, it was, uh, uh, I think we contributed something like $5 billion dollars. Uh, to the Quebec government's revenue. So that's a, a lot of, you know, hospitals and schools yep. and everything. Wow. Uh, so I mentioned our renewable production, so more than 99%. Mm-hmm. And we have so, some of the lowest rates in the world, uh, mm-hmm. which is, of course, uh, great for the people that live here, but also for economic development. So I, I'm, when I got the opportunity to join Harder Quebec, I jumped on it. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't have uh, a background in um, energy. Oh. Uh, so, so before Harder Quebec, uh, I worked for uh, about five years uh, in strategic planning uh, for other uh, big corporations such as Bombardier. Okay. Uh, so when so when uh, an opportunity opened with Tiger Quebec's uh, strategic planning team, I I jumped on it. So I I spent five and a half years in that team, and they were very formative years for me as I learned a lot about both Tiger Quebec as well as the the energy sector as a whole. Mm-hmm. And then uh, so strategic planning. So that's for example, the, the strategic plan um, and market intelligence. Yep. Uh, so, so, so that's how I, I, I learned most of what I know now about uh, both Hydro Quebec and the this sector. Right. Uh, so uh, six months ago, I, I joined the Integrated Energy Needs Planning Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what we do is that we look at Hydro Quebec's electricity needs uh, in the coming decades, and then we figure out what the best uh, way is to meet that demand. So is, is it, uh, you know, hydro, is it wind, is it a mix of all of that? Is it energy efficiency? Uh, so we're looking at all of those solutions. Uh, so how do we meet that demand at the lowest possible price while maintaining reliability? Right. What are the kinds of conclusions that you've come to in terms of what that uh, demand is, is going to look like in the, in the decades ahead? Because almost unique, uh, position because of uh, the uh, the generation mix uh, that uh, that Hidalgo Quebec has that so much of it is 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 uh, is hydraulic is hydroelectric is, right. is that is that the way the future looks as well what is what does the the decades ahead look like it's something that we'll have to to see but it, it'll be a big 
it'll be a mix of uh, many different things. I mean, I think we're seeing a lot more wind. Cause, mm -hmm. uh, so for those who don't know, I mean, we're in uh, Eastern Canada. So that means it's a winter climate. Uh, we have less sun. So, I mean, solar is great, for example, if, if you're in California or yeah. you know, in, down, down south, but here it's, it's not as useful. Uh, but wind normally has a, is a good, uh, is a good fit for, for us uh, in mm -hmm. the north, especially since we have electric heating. Uh, our, our peak demand is in, in the winter and right. not in the summer as in you know, many uh, US states. Yeah. Uh, so, so we see a lot of wind, for sure we, there's um, energy efficiency and in terms of hydro, uh, for sure there are things we're going to do. For example, uh, we're going to increase the, the capacity of, of our existing power plants by more than 2000 megawatts. Uh, over the next uh, 15 years or so. Right. So it'll be a mix of, of many things. And maybe one thing that I think that we'll have to keep in mind is that everyone will have to do their part. Uh, so it's not only on the supply side, but it's also on the demand side to make sure that uh, we use electricity wisely. Mm -hmm. So for example, let's try not to uh, charge our electric vehicles at you know uh, 5 or 6 p.m. Right. when yeah. it's uh, minus 30 and everything's cooking dinner. So yeah. there's the, these uh, sorts of things that we'll, also that we'll have to keep in mind. Yeah. So when we uh, broadly look out to the future, you know, for, for example, the, the, the government of Canada has a, an objective to see um, um, us uh, economy-wide to be net zero by, by 2050. Uh, I imagine uh, there's there's a, a 2050 view uh, for uh, for uh, for Hydro Quebec as well. What are the what are the sorts of things that you see um, as as you look out to 2050 and and any sense of of at least from a planning perspective how you anticipate the market to look? Well, I mean, what we know is that to attain carbon neutrality, we'll ha we'll need at least 100 terawatt hours of additional clean electricity. Okay. Uh, so if we have 200 now, it's, you know, uh, our prime minister mentioned it, it's adding, you know, another half uh, Hydro-Quebec. So, uh, so it, for sure, it's going to require a lot of electricity to, uh, uh, to decarbonize uh, all of the province's economic activity. Mm -hmm. So where's that, <laughs> where, where's that extra, extra half uh, Hydro-Quebec going to come from? Well, I mean, it's going to come from a few different places. So, so uh, we discussed it a little bit earlier, but uh, for example, there, there's, uh, there's wind. Well, so first of all, I mean, we, we, we talk about energy, right? When yeah. we talk about the 100 terawatt hours, but there's also right. capacity. Right. Uh, so we're going to need more and more capacity. Yeah. So I mentioned that uh, we're looking to add more than 2,000 uh, megawatts of uh, capacity to our existing hydropower plants by 2035. Yep. Uh, we want to develop a portfolio of wind energy projects of uh, 3,000 megawatts mm -hmm. that can be launched as soon as, uh, as uh, needs are confirmed. Um, we're also uh, launching calls for tenders for new supply contracts. Okay. So, for example, we, we launched about 800 megawatts uh, of tenders in 2021, and we're launching 2,300 megawatts in the coming months. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I mean... So maybe just to give a bit more information to uh, the listener. So Hydro-Quebec is a, um, we have to be careful because there's the, the, the entity that produces, the entity mm -hmm. that transmits, and then the entity that distributes. Right. And they're, they're not the same. Okay. Uh, so the entity that distributes 
launches calls for tenders. So uh, it's just something to keep in mind. So when they see a need, they launch calls for uh, tenders. Mm -hmm. So so that's what I was uh, mentioning with the 800 megawatts and the 2,300 megawatts. Uh, but then the portfolio of wind energy products, that's, that's more on the uh, producer's uh, side. Okay. And then the producer can bid on uh, the, uh, the tenders of the distributor. Gotcha. Okay. So you've got like that functional separation between uh, generation transmission distribution. Um, and so presumably, exactly. presumably in these, when you're calling for tenders, you're getting proposals both from Hydro-Quebec's generation arm and from, from other, uh, other companies as well. Yes, precisely. And uh, otherwise, beyond that, uh, one thing to keep in mind is that uh, climate change will actually be helpful for, for Hydro-Quebec in terms of uh, generation from its hydropower plant. Okay. What we, what we see is that we're expecting precipitations to increase by almost 15% by 2050. Gotcha. So, okay. So right there, if you have 200 now, that's you know, close to 230 in, the, in 2050. Right. So, okay. So we mentioned... Um, we talked a little bit more about uh, energy, but you know, for uh, for capacity, there is demand response that we want to um, to to ramp up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, we we have uh, Hilo, which is our um, smart home uh, right uh, yep. subsidiary. Yep. Uh, so we want to roll out uh, their uh, behind the meter uh, 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 technologies and equipment. Mm-hmm. For both residential and uh, business customers, uh, so right now it's mostly heating, but uh, there's uh, a lot more that's on the way. So, what what um, would that look like from a from a customer standpoint? If you're a, a residential customer, what, what's the future offering from uh, from Hilo potentially to look like? I mean, b- beyond I guess beyond what we're seeing now in terms of heat pumps, like uh, there's 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 more in in the future. Well, yes. So. Um, uh, well, I, I mean, the heat pumps are something uh, different, actually, from, from okay. Hilo. Okay. Uh, so Hilo is, uh, for example, when you have uh, electric baseboards. Yeah. Uh, so, so what Hilo does is that they help you change your thermostat for smart thermostats. Okay. Uh, so they give you uh, a, a big subsidy. So, for example, maybe you, you change uh, 12 thermostats and instead of paying like $1,500, you pay 300 or so. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sure about the numbers, but you know something like that. So it, it's a big, right. uh, big rebate. Uh, but then in exchange, uh, Hydro Quebec and Hilo actually ha- can control the thermostat. So they, the customers opt in for every event. Yep. And then um, uh, Hilo can preheat the the rooms mm-hmm. and then reduce the demand during uh, specific hours. Right, and then reheat the room afterwards. Uh, while so, the, the idea is to maintain the comfort for uh, for customers while freeing up room uh, uh, on the grid. Yeah. So, so that's uh, the concept overall. And customers get paid when they participate and if they are able to reduce their consumption. So they they save money initially on the smart thermostat. Yeah. And then they they get paid when they participate in events. I I think the average uh money that customers made last year was something like 160 or 170 dollars so it's uh it's it's, uh and that's with you know very little effort right because Hilo manages it for you so so that's uh that's great uh so right now it's mostly for it's it's mostly um uh with the the electric baseboards Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. but there's going to be, for example, uh, charging your vehicle, there's okay. uh, okay. heaters, so so there's yeah. more uh, on the way. Yeah. Um, and that's for, for uh, the, uh, the, the residential side, but there are also uh, offers for uh, the commercial side that, that are on the way. And then the, the intention of those programs is for uh, the ability for to to um, shape demand and, and affect demand? Yes, precisely. So we're looking to free up system capacity during peak periods. Right. As you know, uh, the overall energy system is, is built based on max for maximum demand. So yep. uh, uh, that way you can avoid having to build a, a new power plant or upgrading uh, your transmission lines or uh, distribution lines. So mm -hmm. uh, okay. So so when we're looking out at the out at the future, what do you see as as some of the the, the biggest uh, challenges? I mean, clearly the opportunities are greater electrification much more demand, um, more kilowatts, um, and decarbonization. But what are the sorts of things that you see as, as challenges, uh, as well as the opportunities in the future? Uh, well, in terms of challenges, I think you mentioned it. So our energy and capacity balances will become much tighter. So yeah. right now we have a, a surplus every year, which we export uh, and which we, which, you know, help us make more money every year, but it's going to get much tighter. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll have to to add production probably uh, at some point. What will happen is that uh, our supply costs will probably increase uh, significantly. Um, in short, so Hydro Quebec uh, has its particularities. Um, so basically, we have this heritage pool yep. uh, of 165 tera towers, which is available uh, to uh, the the distributor at a very low rate. Mm -hmm. um, which is how uh, customers have so such low rates uh, here in Quebec. Yeah. Um, so so in short, um, what's going to happen is that when all of that energy is used up, mm -hmm. the distributor will launch new tenders. The price of the new tenders will be higher than the the price of the electricity that the the, the distributor currently buys. Mm -hmm. um, so what's going to happen ultimately is that prices will, for, for customers, will have to go up. Right. Because more supplies will be needed and they're going to be a lot more expensive than what's uh, being paid uh, right now. Yeah. So the, to, to be able to address the, the challenge of upward pressures, I guess this is part of the, part of the response to that is, is demand management and energy efficiency? Yes, precisely. And that's something we haven't really uh, touched upon energy efficiency, but for sure it's a, it's a big part of the plan. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you if you've read, but there was a, an article actually on on this, which mentioned Hydro Quebec's uh, intention of increasing uh, the amount that is paid to to customers uh, to subsidize to subsidize their purchase, for example, of uh, equipment such as uh, heat pumps. Okay. So so it's something we're looking to. Uh, I think the the target by 2029 is a bit more than eight terawatt hours, but we see uh, that there's more potential than that. Uh, yeah. So we we want to uh, to use that potential because the cheapest kilowatt hours is the the one that you don't consume as as they say. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if my memory serves me, uh, again, one of the other particularities of the the market in Quebec is the very large penetration of baseboard heating. Uh, compared to other jurisdictions, like we don't we don't have natural gas everywhere, but we've got a lot of baseboard heating. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a very good point. And actually, one thing that I wanted to mention is that 
because um, you, you mentioned uh, natural gas. So yeah. there's a natural gas distributor in Quebec, which is mm-hmm. Energie. So we, we just uh, we entered in an agreement with them uh, about a, a year ago. Yeah. I think it's summer 2021, uh, where basically customers that currently have natural gas heating systems mm-hmm. will get, gradually convert to uh, dual fuel um, uh, systems. So electricity and natural gas. Right. So what we're looking to do is decarbonize as much as possible at the lowest possible price. Mm-hmm. So um, basically, during peak periods, they will keep using natural gas. But right. During the rest of the year or during other periods where we have plenty of energy, then uh, they will use uh, electricity only. So the, the idea here is to um, uh, minimize the impact in terms of um, peak demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, while uh, saving money and while uh, avoiding emissions. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to help avoid something like um, about half a million uh, tons of uh, GHGs by 2030. Right. Um, and we're going to save a billion and a half dollars, I believe, uh, with, with that program. So. So it's it's win win for for everyone because if we were to electrify their consumption directly, uh, it would mean enormous costs for Hydro Quebec and for for other customers that would have to subsidize that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that, so sorry, we're going to it helps avoid about seventy percent of their emissions. So right, so it's a, with a very low impact on uh, peak demand. Yeah, one of one of the other areas where where there's going to be a, a change in terms of customers and energy use and electricity use is is uh, is going to be in transportation. Uh, I'm I'm one of those one of those people that's been on a waiting list for an electric right. vehicle for right. for you know uh, more than a year. When that when 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 the uh, the demand finally starts getting fulfilled for for all of these uh, electric vehicles, will there be will there be enough? Uh, kilowatt hours and is there going to be enough uh, system uh, in Quebec to meet that demand because I, I think um, the uh, rebates combined from uh, from the government of Quebec and the government of Canada are higher than anywhere else in the country so my, my, I mean I guess once once the supply chains uh, straighten out we're going to see a pretty significant uptick in electric vehicles is, has, is that I'm, I'm sure that's been part of the conversation uh, what is what does that picture look like? Um, are are we facing a, a supply crunch, or uh, are this going to be managed over time? I mean, um, so for sure, it's going to drive an increase in electricity demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the issue is going to be more on the capacity side if it's not managed. Uh, so I, I think that's for sure one thing we want to uh, to look at. Okay, uh, ensuring that you know uh, customers don't charge when. Uh, you know, during uh, peak, peak hours, but mm-hmm. they charge before or during the night. So I think that's going to be the the, the issue mostly. Uh, you mentioned that the rebates are very high, and that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I would say, though, is that uh, the rebates hard, uh, they, they went down uh, compared to last year, and I think they're going to keep going down in, in the coming years. Right. Because uh, I think the idea for, for the government is to ensure that uh, the price is comparable to uh, yeah. the price of a yep. uh, combustion engine vehicle mm-hmm. and not, you know, make it much more advantageous. So, mm-hmm. so, they, so uh, that's something that w- will change over time. Uh, but yes, so they, they, there will be enough electricity for sure. 
-hmm. that's something that we're looking at. That's something we're taking into consideration when we look at um, how the demand in Quebec is going to grow in the coming decades. And it, it's part of the 100 terawatt hours that we're, we're uh, planning for. Yeah. I, I know in in some uh, in some areas in some jurisdictions in the country there's talk of of needing you know more than more than twice the electricity. I, I guess the situation is a little different in in Quebec because there's significantly more uh, penetration of electricity. There's more um, energy end use demand being met by electricity today than than elsewhere in the country, right? Yeah, I think that's something that's going to to help us uh, compared to other jurisdictions um, for sure. Uh, uh, demand will go up, but mm -hmm. I think it's going to go up by maybe a factor or two or three times in other jurisdictions. I think right. here it's going to be less than that. So the 100 terawatt hours for at least 100 for, for net zero, that's less than, or that's about half of what we're producing currently. Right. Um, so yes, I think it's a, it'll be easier for us because already, you know, we have electric heating in, in many, uh, many uh, residential uh, and, and commercial uh, businesses, so, so that's going to, to drive uh, that that drives a lot of uh, uh, energy consumption. So, yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a bit easier for us uh, that situation. Another thing that really helps us, I think, is from the supply side is is hydro. It's just such a such a, a great resource because in the end you need uh, something to firm up, you know, your wind or your solar yep. energy. Yep. And there aren't that many clean, firm energy sources. I mean, there's hydro, there's maybe nuclear, if, if people want to do nuclear, and then what? It becomes much, much harder. I mean, there's things you can do with hydrogen, there's mm -hmm. things you can do with, uh, you know, natural, uh, natural gas if you uh, mm -hmm. capture emissions, but yeah. it, yeah. it'll be much harder for, for, for others and for, for us, I think. So, so we're lucky there. Mm -hmm. When you're looking out into the future, um, are you anticipating a change in terms of um, the the relationship with, for example, the northeastern United States as, as uh, demand increases in in, in Quebec? Uh, are we still going to be, you know, fulfilling the the needs of uh, one eighth of uh, of New York uh, as we you know as we may be doing today, or is that going to change over time too? Well, I mean, uh, I, I think that our relationship will probably change. Uh, first of all, we have contracts. Uh, for example, we, we have a yeah. contract with uh, New York, a contract with um, uh, New England. So um, for sure, we, we have contracts that we, we will um, meet. <laughs> so we, we will do what we're supposed to do. But beyond that, I think our relationship will change in the sense that they will need to add a lot of wind, a lot of solar. Mm -hmm. um, and chances are that uh, we'll help them differently. Right now, what we're doing is we're sending clean energy uh, all day, uh, every day, um, right. every week, every month, almost. Yeah. Um, but I think what's going to happen is that they, they will have periods of, of uh, overproduction and periods mm -hmm. of underproduction. Mm -hmm. So what I think will happen is that it'll be more bilateral in the sense that they will have too much wind, too much solar, so we will import from them. Right. Uh, we'll use that energy in Quebec, and then we'll, we'll just keep the energy and the water in our reservoirs. Mm -hmm. And then when they are in, you know, underproducing, uh, uh, so when there's not enough wind, not enough solar, 
then we will be able to to send energy over to to help them uh, uh, compensate. So right. we can't do miracles, uh, but we can help them out uh, with their uh, goals to decarbonize. Yeah, so it's 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 back to that concept of acting like a like a giant battery. The reservoirs exactly. acting like a giant battery, and and it sounds like there's opportunities to potentially enable more uh, um, uh, emerging renewables in the northwestern northeastern United States, uh, just as a result of the of the interconnections with Quebec. Yeah, for sure. Wow. And for example, uh, the, these new contracts that we signed in the, in the in recent years. So there's one with and uh, in, in which we'll uh, send close to 10 terawatt hours to the city of New York uh, every year. Yeah. So we know that they're going to add a lot of offshore wind there in in the coming decades. So I I could certainly see um, uh, the well in time. I mean, right now the point is to just send energy over uh, year after year, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, in time, I think uh, it'll be a good fit with us because wind generally is a good fit with the uh, winter peaking uh, region. At least it, it's a good fit here with our uh, consumption profile. What we've found actually is that uh, production on average is higher in the winter than in the summer. Yeah. And in on average, not always, but on average, it's even higher when it's uh, very cold than the mandatory high. So, so it's a pretty good fit uh, here. Mm. Uh, so, so for sure, I think that when they have overproduction in New York will be happy to take some of that wind energy off of them. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, issues that um, I've had conversations uh, about in the past is the relationship between uh, the electricity sector and indigenous uh, communities. Um, so I'd be interested to hear your perspectives about uh, uh, you know Hydro-Québec and its future with local and indigenous communities, and 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 you know how how those relationships are uh, are evolving, um, and you know are they important uh, to to meeting our our uh, our net zero goals of the future? Uh, for sure, they're very important. Mm-hmm. So getting to net zero will require will require a lot of new generation facilities. Mm-hmm. as well as you know transmission infrastructure yeah to get the energy to our clients so these facilities will have impacts on communities and and they want to be listened to and they want to have the opportunity to influence decisions mm-hmm. uh, so um the, these are legitimate expectations so we want to make sure that we improve our way of, of doing things so what we're looking to do is you know start talking with them earlier as soon as we know that there will be a need before launching the project to right. um uh, to better understand their their concerns and establish trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when it comes to indigenous communities, I think that's what we want to make sure is maintain an ongoing dialogue with them so that they can influence our decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to like spring a new project on them uh, at, at the last minute. So for sure, I think that's that's key. And we're looking into entering uh, into socioeconomic partnership agreements with uh, with them. So joint undertaking undertakings mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for investment projects or employment agreements, for example. Uh, but for sure, I mean, we, we will uh, need to, uh, to, to work with them because we, we will have to build new facilities and we want people to, to accept them and understand that there's a need mm-hmm. 
Understood. Um, listen, I do have like one one last area that I always I always go to when I chat with people on the call, sure. and that's that's about a like a book recommendation. But before that, you you did mention hydrogen earlier. Is hydrogen part of uh, Hydro Quebec's future? And you know, is is it a fit somehow? Because it it's not real clear to me um, how hydrogen is going to be part of our our electricity future. But a lot of people mention hydrogen as being something on the horizon. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's actually a really good question. I feel like hydrogen is is very trendy these days. Yeah. Uh, in the in the past few years, we've heard a lot about it, and I think the truth is that we will need hydrogen in the future, and I think it's it's getting cheaper and cheaper, mm-hmm. and there there will be several uses for hydrogen, uh, but I think that it's not the right solution to everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for example. In general, it's it's better to uh, electrify directly. Uh, right. Right. It's the best and most efficient way to decarbonize. Yeah. Uh, but there are activities uh, such as chemical or industrial processes, um, as well as certain types of heavy transport, where that direct electrification is either not technically or not economically feasible. Mm-hmm. So, so this is where green green hydrogen can can come in. Gotcha. So Hydro Quebec wants to to help uh, implement the Quebec government's uh, hydrogen strategy, mm-hmm. um, and we also want to make sure that if there are green hydrogen projects here in Quebec, uh, we want to make sure that they're, for example, set up in the right place in the province to minimize the, the impact of connecting the facilities to the grid. Right. Right. Okay, listen, Alexandre. One of the things that I that I ask everybody that comes onto the podcast is uh, for a book recommendation, and we we assemble all of these book recommendations in something that that uh, we call the Flux Capacitor uh, Book Club. Um, and so, uh, what book would you recommend to to the listener? Um, I haven't read uh, a book on energy in, in recently. I would say, mm-hmm. I mean, I read a lot every single day. Uh, I mean, I, for example, uh, there's Bloomberg, uh, New Energy Finance, which I, I love to read. Yeah. I follow some, some experts, such as Michael Liebrecht, who's the founder of uh, BNEF. Mm-hmm. And he actually wrote a great article recently, uh, earlier this week, on um, hydrogen and how the only way to move it economically is, a, is as a gas by pipeline. Okay. And anyway, he, he discusses the different ways it can be uh, shipped across the world and whether it makes sense or not. So that's good reading, I think, for okay. anyone who's interested in uh, in understanding the, the true potential of hydrogen and its derivative, derivatives in, in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I haven't read the, uh, a book on, about energy recently, so I'm not sure if my recommendations will uh, truly help. I mean, I have two young kids at home, so... My latest book is on potty training, so uh, I don't think I can look at that one. Um, otherwise, I mean, um, a book that I uh, really enjoyed uh, in the past few years, uh, and I, I go back to often, is uh, it's called The Essays of Warren Buffett, Lessons for Corporate America. So it's more of a uh, shareholder and management uh, book. Um, mm-hmm. It's by Lawrence Cunningham. Uh, so basically what the author does is that he takes the annual letters sent uh, to Berkshire Hathaway uh, shareholders yeah. uh, by uh, Warren Buffett. And then he organizes uh, his thoughts into uh, by subject into chapters. Uh, so it's it's interesting and 
it's uh, it's just a great read. So that's something I would recommend to uh, anyone uh, that's in, in management uh, mm-hmm. in any company or anywhere. <laughs> Fantastic! That that is a great, uh, a really great addition to uh, to our book club list. So it's the essays of Warren Buffett by Lawrence Cunningham. Yes, that's right. Fantastic. Excellent. Uh, Alexander, thank you very much for taking the time to join the podcast. I really appreciate it. It was great talking to you. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining me for this episode of The Flux Capacitor. Tune in to the next episode, where I'll discuss the latest findings from Electricity Canada's pollster, Greg Lyle from Innovative Research. The website of this podcast can be found at thefluxcapacitor.ca, including links for this episode on the show page. And while you're there, check out the book club page, which provides info and links to the books which have been recommended by guests on The Flux Capacitor. And let's continue the electricity conversation on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and at electricity.ca.